Welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, I am Seth Liebson. David Dahl is in our production chair because he is our producer sitting to my direct west. And for everyone else in the cardinal points of the compass, 602 is the number if you'd like to give us a call. Um, David, it's fun in this sense for you, I'm guessing, that politics has been such a um, whirlwind over the past three or four years in a way that no day is apolitical. There's not a day goes by without big political news. Now, I regret that that's the case because I think we should be able to have some reprieve from it. As C.S. Lewis said, a healthy nation thinks of politics the way a healthy person should think of medicine, something you take when you're ill. It's an illness, or it speaks to an illness in our body politic that we've become so inundated with politics. But I guess that was a long way around for me asking you or saying to you, it must be kind of fun as a young up-and-comer and and someone who appreciates American and political history and politics so much to— be going through it with our audience the way we do on a daily basis. Yeah, you it's better a, believe it. You, it's, sometimes do you get more from these shows than you did in your college classes? Oh, yeah. Do you? And I, and I feel like I'm uh, living through history in a sometimes, way. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Will it but end did, with I, a, did I hear will you? Will it end uh, with a bang or a whimper? Yes. Did what I hear you tiptoeing yes. near the idea that we should have a return to normalcy, just like Harding yeah, said? Yeah. Oh, you're going to be fascinated by but Harding's I'm... death 100 years ago today. <laughs> yeah. You're, it's because you're an Ohio guy, aren't you? Yeah. I, I spent most of my boyhood years in rural Ohio, okay. and he was uh, chief editor of the Marion Star. I believe, yes. That's, so I <laughs> that's what he is most that. known for, chief editor of the Marion Star. Go get him. DeSantis blasted by critics, Fox News reports. It's Trump world, Trump uh, Trump world over indictment response. Not a wartime conservative. I get the I get the point here. Um, DeSantis's Ron DeSantis's response to the indictment of Donald Trump left one feeling a little flat. He said, "Well, I've seen reports. I've not read the indictment. I do, though, believe we need to enact reforms so that Americans have the right to remove cases from Washington D.C. to their home districts." Washington, D.C. is a swamp, and it is unfair to have to stand trial before a jury. One of the reasons our country is in decline is the politicalization of the rule of law. No more excuses. I will end the weaponization of federal government. That doesn't quite do it, does it? That doesn't quite do it. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy has been good on this, and every time Trump's been uh, either indicted or accused in a court, he's been good on this. It's a time to rally because— What Ron DeSantis is saying is his reforms will work so long as he is president. His reforms would have no effect on if he is not president. That is to say successor presidents, be they Democrats or Republicans. Removing the case from D.C. is not the problem here. That's not the problem here. The problem is something far deeper than that. And it seems to me that Vivek has the right idea, which is – We all are running for president because we think we can do a better job than Donald Trump. But we all stand with Donald Trump in vociferously denouncing this indictment. And if he were to be found guilty, we all equally stand for the proposition that we will pardon him. That's what needs to be said. There needs to be a united wall here. You can't sow doubts. And 
what Mike Pence is doing. Again, you know, it's just if you think you're laying here when 37 percent of the Republican Party is supportive of the ex-president, if you think you're laying here is to con- is to carry Jack Smith's water as a Republican, um, I think you're going to find your lane running out of pavement very fast. I don't know what more to say about it. Jerry's in Glendale. Hi, Jerry. Oh, I'm so frustrated. <laughs> you know, you, you get an elected official from our area, Debbie Lesko, and she comes on. And do you know what her concern is? Oh, my gosh. It was the adjectives that he used. I mean, I, you can't make this insanity up. She's concerned about adjectives in a bogus, phony indictment. Did she so not she call the been, indictment bogus and phony? Or words to that effect, yeah, speaking but, of adjectives? But, but, but she should be concerned as to why it was filed, not that it was filed. Do you June think she has 7, doubts on yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. She's one of the leading rhinos in D.C., and she's going oh to be gosh, voted Jerry, out of office. Jerry, really? You think that? I'm, no, absolutely, absolutely. Listen, June 7th, the FBI releases documents alleging Biden took $10 million. June 8th, Jack Smith indicts Trump on Mar-a-Lago. July 26th, Hunter Biden goes to court. They've rejected his plea deal. July 27th, Smith adds more charges to Trump at the Mar-a-Lago. July 31st. Hunter's business partner testifies before Congress. August 1st, Jack indicts Trump again. This is, these are not about the indictments. They're about why. And it's about the Democrats. And isn't the, that and what, but Alpha wasn't Senate. that her point? Well, I didn't get all of the thing, but Debbie Lesko. Didn't she give you that out? Post. Didn't she give you that timeline in the, in the last part of our interview? I no again. I only heard about the first part of it. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Well, you're condemning her for something. Different. You're condemning her for something she actually. Um, you're condemning but her why, for not saying what she actually said. She gave us that very timeline. Go back okay. and listen to the but whole did, interview. Did she talk about when they're going to file the impeachment proceeding? No, because we ran out of time. But if you, uh, je- I gotta just say, Jerry, honest to God, you and I may have a disagreement here, but when you have someone who has a hundred percent records from places like National Right to Life and who has been a stalwart defender of the president, even on an impeachment, when you have someone who gets, um, you know, zero percent ratings from like the ACLU and you think she's a rhino, Jerry, honestly, I mean, if she's a rhino, we have bigger problems than I can even begin to articulate. Honest to gosh. I, I really, Jerry, take a look and listen to the whole interview before condemning her for not saying what she actually said. Let's not let's not get two ahead of ourselves here. Greg is in Peoria. Hello, Greg. Yeah, hi, Seth. Um, if I could get the South correct, um, indictments, um, the process, aren't there checks and balances? Aren't there, isn't there a judge involved and um, an impanelment of a grand jury? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, a grand jury, yeah. Um, how quick is that process, and what about the jurors and the judge? Isn't um, so the way an indictment takes place, right, there's no defense, right? There's no defense counsel involved at all. It's exclusively for the prosecution with, with what's known as a grand jury. And he gets to make any case he wants in front of that grand jury uh, or she in front of that grand jury, that, which is selected from, in this case, the Washington, D.C. area. Again, no defense counsel at all. There's the witnesses. Uh, excuse me. The, the uh, defendant isn't there and the defense counsel isn't there. 
And so after the indictments come, which is what this is, grand jury indictment, becomes a trial or at least the process on the way to a trial in front of what is known as a petite jury, which is really the idea of a jury of your peers in front of judge with defense counsel. So this is a process that takes place without any defense counsel whatsoever. This is merely a prosecution's case. So merely a prosecution, but uh, those that are impaneled, um, they will not be the jury that decides the case. No. So this is a grand jury. No. And you never really hear the phrase petite jury, but it's what we just call a regular jury. So the people, the jurors who voted for this in the grand jury will not be the jurors in the ultimate trial if it goes to trial. No, but don't aren't they impaneled to look at specific at the charges? Yes. And isn't there um, a process of um, investigating the well, the process is what the prosecutor does. It's what the special counsel, Jack Smith, does. So imagine this scenario, Greg. Uh, you have a, uh, you have a uh, panel of, of, of jurors who are called the grand jury. They're not lawyers. Um, they're just, you know, average folks who, um, you know, they might be businessmen or they might be truckers or nurses or they might be unemployed or they might be anything, might be teachers. Um, they they sit there and listen to Jack Smith's best case, and that's all Jack Smith is going to give him is his best case. He's done the investigation. He's brought the charges. He's giving them his evidence. And, you know, that's why it's relatively easy in a place like Washington, D.C. to get a grand jury indictment like this. That's all they hear, and they take him at his word, obviously. Or not, and it would be hard not to take him at his word in that kind of a scenario and in that kind of situation, right? That's why there's that old um, phrase: "You can indict a ham sandwich." Indictments are not that hard to get, which is why you want prosecutors who are of the utmost integrity, because it's easy to abuse your prosecutorial power. It's very powerful, your prosecutorial power. It's very, um, it's very poignant. You can do this kind of thing, and you can create novel legal theories. And the federal code is big enough and creative enough that probably anyone in earshot of this show could be indicted. What do you know about that song, young David? If I had to take a wild guess... Herman's Hermits. What? It was performed by Herman's Hermits. Yeah, I know that. If I had to take a wild guess, I would guess that the backing track is by the Wrecking Crew, because we love them around here. I doubt it. No, no? I doubt it. Okay. I don't know anything about that song. It was written by Carole King. Oh, okay, and I like a lot of her music. Yeah, yeah, it was written by Carole King. It's a great song to send to um, a lady in an early romance. Oh, Something tells right? me I'm into something good, yeah. Okay. Look at the lyrics. And you're a young romantic about town, <laughs> so you may want to uh, keep that in your back pocket. I'll try. Yeah. I'll try. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Rick is in Phoenix. Hi, Rick. Hi there, Seth. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Do you, have any, do you have any other advice for young David here, young man about yeah, town? Yes. As a matter of fact, I would really encourage uh, him to listen to the Hermit's Herman's Hermits catalog because oh, okay. they have a lot of romantic songs that yeah. are, are are good. Yeah. Now yeah. You, you, we don't want to overdo favorite. it if he's if he's if he's um, 
if he's fancy on a on a young lady. We don't want. Right. Uh, it's it would be odd if all he played for her was Hermit's Hermits. Is, well, I yeah, guess what yeah, I'm trying yeah. to say. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it would, <laughs> you want a slightly wider berth. But, but I like. But I, I, they have one song that has a phrase in it that says, "Don't go out into the rain, sugar. You're going to melt." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see David actually saying that. That's yeah. the, that is the kind of vernacular David uses. Okay, <laughs> he's a man out of his own. T- out of uh, he's he's not a man of his time. Let me oh, put it that way. He well, drives a Frank Sinatra you know, car. I mean, he drives classic stuff. He dresses it, classically. He's a different, you know. I told him the other day yeah. that uh, I was talking to him. I told him the other day that I thought he was a very mature. Yeah. Uh, young man. He is. He's a yeah, very mature yeah. young man. That's the way he's impressed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does ballroom dancing for uh, for for uh, entertainment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just so, don't see a lot of that. No, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Hey, so uh, so let me get to... Uh, wh- or guys who drive thinking? pristine cars from 1981 with Reagan bumper stickers on them. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And it's That's pristine. Great. Oh my gosh, is it pristine? And it's the Frank Sinatra model of this Chrysler. He's he's really wow. something. He's really cool. David's that really cool. That is cool. Yeah, he, that, he's that really, is cool. really cool. Yeah, he's really that's, cool. That's deep. That's deep. So listen, your monologue yes, and your conversation with uh, Mr. Johnson uh, really got me to thinking. And so I'd like to uh, throw something out here and get your take on it. Okay. Uh, I I know that you're familiar with the adage from uh, Dennis Prager, because I think I've heard you quoted a few times, that if you want to know what the Democrats are up to, just see what they accuse you of. Yeah, sure. So I've got a new take on that. I'd like to get your 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 take on it. Okay. My, my take is the masters of misinformation have become the chief misinformers. I like it. I like it. Yeah. The chief cornerstone—is that somewhat biblical? Help me out. What's the line in the Bible? The cornerstone that was mocked has become the chief cornerstone. Is that biblical? Yeah, yeah. Of course, that was speaking of Jesus. Yeah. So that was in a that was in a uh, negative way. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of the the Jew, the religious leaders okay. at the time, right. how they how they were kind of mocking. Uh, okay, him. I did just it felt like the same kind of cadence. Yeah, it is. But it is funny that this administration, which went after so much misinformation, and you remember those 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 uh, saccharine press conferences by Jen Psaki about uh, the social media platforms that were carrying COVID misinformation that they were going after. Yeah. And then it turns out, you know, they did go after them. But it yep. turns out the stuff on there was more true than what the administration was putting out. I mean, while Joe Biden was going around the country blathering that if you get vaccinated— you won't get sick, you won't spread the virus, you won't get hospitalized, and you won't die. I mean, was there worse misinformation than that? When you look at what CDC Director Rochelle Walensky was saying uh, and lying to the American public about uh, breakthrough uh, infections when she had memos on it and said they hadn't seen any evidence of it, even though we now know she had memos on it, uh, yep. was that misinformation? Yep. I, they, they, the, in, the, the entire breakthrough infection issue where the CDC just simply stopped counting them because the numbers became inconvenient to their narrative was a withholding of information. But they were in the business of spreading misinformation. When you had 51 former intelligence officials 
saying that the Hunter Biden laptop looked like a Russian disinformation campaign itself when they already knew the FBI had they already knew the FBI had authenticated that laptop that altered yep. an election is that yep. misinformation but they're the ones that want to have bureaus of misinformation right Rick, right this is, and that's, this is and so that's damn orwellian it should frighten people it it, it does and that by the that, way no that, one on the left knows any of this that's that's where my thinking was going, you know, that that that, that they have become the chief mis- misinformers. And when you look at the indictment, uh, as you were ta- as you've been talking about, uh, it, it, it's just it, it's full of misinformation, misdirection. It, it doesn't really uh, address well because they don't want it to address what's really going on. It seems to me. That, you know, this idea, I, I, how do you do this? I, I've been wrestling with this for a long time, Rick, and I'm, I'm still of mixed mind on it. This idea that the Donald Trump's support rises and solidify, it solidifies and rises each time they go after him like this, each time they go through extraordinary measures to take yeah. him out and take him down. His support strengthens and rises, and it's based on the theory that the Democrats want him to run. That's in one silo of analysis. The -hmm. other silo of analysis, though, kind of knocks that one down to me because it seems to me that that is a that's a that's a whirlwind. You can't stop once it's out there. If his support rises each time they go after him like this. How do they know when they'll be able to stop it? How do they know they can put a genie back in a bottle when they've smashed the bottle? I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. Yeah. I, anyway, I've been wrestling what? with this for some time. Can you straighten it out what? for me? Well, no, no, I can't. But I can offer some, uh, think, uh, some of my own thinking along those same lines. Uh, it, it, it seems to me that, that they are, in fact, uh, you know, the, biblically— there's a passage that talks about those whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. And so what I'm thinking is, in, in kind of in connection with what you were talking about there, Seth, is that uh, they have lied so much for so long that they can't even see that what they think they are doing is in fact accomplishing the exact opposite. Yeah, of it what might be that. It might be some of that. I, I got to take a break. Can you stay with oh, me on this? Oh, it, sure. What's that sure. phrase in the Bible you're talking? Oh, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Is that what you're getting at? Yes. No, well, uh, conscience is seared as with a hot iron. All right, I'm going to look it up and we'll, we'll okay. do a little political and biblical exegesis <laughs> with Rick when okay. we come right back. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. China, Russia, India, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, they're all conducting international trade and local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. And the Biden administration is sending hundreds of billions of dollars abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure here at home. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within central bank digital currency. It's real. The patents have been filed and big banks have released plans for implementation, but the veterans at the Midas Gold Group 
see devastating implications from all this. The end of financial privacy, big government able to see your every purchase, ties to social credit, own private currency, gold and silver, and now get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call the Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Rick is with us. Uh, Rick, thanks for hanging on, brother. Yes, sir. We were talking about the Democrats' strategies here. Right. And I don't know if, I mean, the analysis is either they want Donald Trump to be the nominee or they're so afraid of Donald Trump that they want to do everything to keep him from being the nominee. And I can't square these things. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm just unable to. Yeah. But I, I, I lean, I tend to lean on, I tend to lean on, if I had to choose one of those silos I t- or one of those choices, I tend to lean on the latter because mm-hmm. of the lengths, the extraordinary lengths they are going to yes. that seem to be so beyond novel that they yes. will end up having two effects, putting a lot of egg on the faces of these prosecutors at the end of the day, which won't be in the trial court, but will be at the appellate levels, I think. That would be one. Mm-hmm. And and the, and the second effect is setting precedents that they are going to regret, just as I'm sure Harry Reid regrets getting rid of the filibuster. Yes and no, Seth. Okay. My... my you and and sadly the loss of shame has had such a detrimental effect yeah. that i think that many of those involved in this sh- shena- this uh what what do you call it in your deal crock uh, yeah i think <laughs> i was i used the very yeah the very fancy word crock i think yes yeah. yes, yes. Uh, that many of those involved in this will not even recognize how much they have damaged themselves and the country and the their party and the whole thing they will just go blithely on uh, you think they think they're saving the country way. yeah because they think they're doing the right thing here yeah we yeah. usually say the ends justify the means as a phrase of art right but, but in this case i got to tell you rick i think i think these means don't justify their ends Right. I mean, I, what they're trying, even if they want to defeat Donald Trump so badly, and Republicans generally, and conservatism wholesale, yeah. the means they're going about to do so are so irregular and so anti-democratic and such an abuse of normal processes as they speak of returning us to normal processes. Yeah. Right. You know, it's... it's um, Right. Well, you know... Uh, you used that for you were using a biblical phrase. Uh, oh yeah, what having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Yeah, yeah. What what, what it what the way I kind of uh, see this happening is that when you reject God, it it undermines the whole rational thinking process. In other words, it it kind of be like a computer telling her programmer, I don't need you anymore. Forget it. Because our creator created us and instilled in us moral laws and has given us moral laws, and when we reject all that, it just 
throws everything into chaos. Well, there's no question, but that that backs up so much of everything in our world and has for decades and decades. Yeah. But I don't even think for issues like this, it's not even— you don't even have to get to a rejection of God, I don't think, Rick. It's a rejection of democracy. It's a rejection of norms. It's a rejection of the judicial role in our constitutional constellation or firmament. I, I was seized by that phrase when you used it, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, having their conscience seared, seared, cauterized, making us numb. That's how I, you know, insensate, unfeeling. That's kind of where my mind went with it all, Rick. That's what's taking place here. That's a terrible thing to do to a people. It's a terrible thing to do to a rational, thinking, feeling, sensate people. God bless you, sir. I'm Seth. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Most people know that version by Ronnie Millsap, but that's Eddie Rabbit, who also wrote that for Ronnie Millsap. And uh, David, young David, your memory, your short-term memory is long enough to know that Eddie Rabbit also wrote a famous song for someone else, correct? Cold Kentucky. Gold rain for Elvis Presley. There you go. Didn't you just, you just, needed, for, uh, you just needed a little too? key in the ignition there. Am what? I wrong? Didn't he write something for Clint Eastwood? That was what first came to mind. And every which way but loose? That's, what, that's the first one that came to my mind. Yeah. yeah. Well, he wrote it. Did he write it for Clint? I don't know. Well, for Clint or for his Did Clint, Who sang it? Uh, Eddie Rabbit sang it. Clint didn't sing it. No. Right. No, so he didn't guess, write it for Clint. Well, he wrote it for Clint's movie. He wrote it for yeah, Clint's yeah, movie. I, All right, sure. Yes, that's what I was. Sure, that was the first in one the that same came to my mind. In, in the same vein that John Williams wrote for Mark Hamill, I suppose. No, but he probably wrote for George Lucas, and I bet George gave him a fat paycheck too. <laughs> Rick, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off, buddy? No, no, no. Okay. No, Seth. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I just uh, got long-winded. Uh, listen, I just no, had one did. last thing I wanted to say to you. Yeah. You, you know I'm not a flatterer, but I want to tell you, Seth, that every time I talk to you is a serendipity. Oh. Uh-huh. Well, God fun. bless you. Oh, my gosh. You are a flatterer. You're very kind. <laughs> yeah. I am not. I am absolutely Misinformation serious. and fake news, you are. Frank, God love you. God, God right. bless you. All right. Godspeed. May the wind be at your back. Bill is in Apache Junction. Hello, Bill. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Well, I'm pretty good. I, you know, the discussion about whether or not uh, they hate Trump or they, they don't hate Trump, you know, the opposition, they are terrified of him. Yeah. They are terrified if he gets in office... He is going to expose everybody, and people will actually go to jail. They will lose everything. They'll lose power, and they'll lose their freedom. That's what they're afraid of. You know, I halfway agree with you, and then on the second half, I would argue a little bit with you, Bill, but I'm open to your counterargument. <clears throat> I believe you're right that they hate him, and I think they hate him with a vengeance. But I don't know that I agree that it's because they think he's going to put him in jail. Because we've had the experience of him, and that's not what he did. The Department of Justice under Joe Biden has been far more politically aggressive than, and far more politically punitive 
than anything Donald Trump did. Donald Trump did. Remember all this nonsense? You'd have to bring in the National Guard or something to wrestle wrestle Donald Trump out of office. He would never leave office. Remember all that nonsense? Oh, I mean, sure, it, just, but... it was just such nonsense. I think they do hate him, but I do think they hate him because of what conservatism stands for. I think well, if you go to any, I mean, you just look at places you didn't even think were that left wing, like normal institutions. I mean, libraries, museums, uh, ASU, for goodness sakes. It was, you know, it's a college, so it's liberal, but you didn't think it was left wing. Then you go and look at what these professors actually teach and what they write about. Then you go and look at what's going on in these libraries and what the American Library Association is doing. You look at the Smithsonian Institute and the kinds of stuff. It is so far... It is so far woke on issues of gender and race. It's as it's 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 as if it's a different world we live in. Oh, and, I agree with and that. And I think they hate our resistance to all that. I mean, you look you look at the kind of stuff Ron DeSantis was doing as governor, for example, when he was more popular amongst conservatives generally two years ago, when he was going after the de- when he was trying to deracialize the curriculum and desexualize the curriculum for five year olds. For five year olds, do you realize? Do you remember how how angry they got? Do you remember how 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 much of a rant they went on? Or even just lately, the new studies, excuse me, the new standards for African-American studies, where Kamala Harris is saying it's trying to teach that slavery was a benefit to slaves. The lies that they go through and engage in because we are in their way. We are in their way on a very powerful ideology that they obtain and maintain, the powerful ideology of Marxism. And I think it's more that than they feel that they're going to get criminal retribution my, my, well, my view I, you go ahead I, well i think it's what you're saying is true but you're talking about the cultural aspects i'm talking about well, I think the political the, the, the entrenched people in like shift and so on in in the swamp that they're they're afraid that he could really do some damage what could he's got he nothing do? to lose i don't know what, what could, could he do to shift what could he do yeah he, he could have him uh they, I believe that they could uh, probably come up with some kind of charges that he was being uh, uh, lying to Congress. I don't think they can. I don't honestly think they can. I, I think the only way Schiff, Schiff has, a, has a problem is through election uh, or through uh, being thrown out by his own body. I don't think the executive branch can touch him because of the speech and debate clause in Congress. I don't think, well, that's I, don't true. think the, yeah. I don't think the executive branch can touch Adam Schiff. But I think there's a lot of exposure that they they are put them in jeopardy of losing all kinds of power. I really do think that. Well, maybe it maybe I I think the power they crave is the power of the overwhelming ideology of Marxism, and it's it there is a cultural aspect. You're not wrong to say that, but the but it's a highly political aspect too. Marxism oh, is sure. both political and cultural. I think it's this is is that they hate what we stand for because what we stand for is opposed to what they stand for, and they believe it with all their heart and all their mind. I really think yeah. they 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 despise us because they think we are in the way of their progressive dream palace. I think it's yeah. about the ideology, not the repercussions. It's just my sense. In any way, we end up at the same place. I think you and I well, do, Bill. If they lose power, that's that's part of the repercussions. Yes, of course, of course, of course course. But I mean, it is interesting when you think about all the statements Ilan Omar and the left said, I mean, from 
Ilan Omar to Nancy Pelosi from the what some people consider to the extreme of the Democratic Party to the mainstream of the Democratic Party, which to me is all one and the same. But to the, I guess, broader masses and media, they kind of like to divide it that way. When you hear and go back and listen to the things they called and said about Donald Trump, fascist, Nazi, tyrant, tyrannizing our communities, how? How did he do it? In, in what way? In what? One example of no, his I actions agree. as a tyrant. You know, <laughs> Give me one. Give me yeah. one. On the other hand, I could show you the tyrannization of the Department of Justice, and I could show you the tyranny of the tyrannization of and the weaponization of the intelligence agencies, and I could show you the tyrannization and the weaponization of the FBI under Democrats. I can't show it to you under the evidence is not there for Donald Trump's t- tenure. I well, mean, when you think of the normalcy that they said they wanted to restore, they're the ones that no. were breaking it and wrecking it. We had a pretty good I country. Understand. Yeah, I, I agree. Country I agree. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of what you might call a parallax view. It's the way at which you look at, you know, what lens and what viewpoint you look at the world from. Uh, David, you wanted to re- me to repeat the speech and debate clause. The speech and the debate, the, excuse me, the speech and debate clause of the Constitution gives uh, senators and congressmen fairly wide berth, almost exclusively wide berth, to say whatever they want to say. All right, I got a break, right? Music clause. You think about the uh, economy and you think about the bank failures, you think about stock market volatility, you think about inflation, you think about still speculation of a recession. Where do you invest? You invest with Y-Refi because they have a portfolio that's got a fixed rate of return, a high fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to any of that stock market nor the Fed. A portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, and they're based here locally. Uh, They encourage you to stop by their offices. Cottstill Road, the 101, I've been there. And I can tell you, you won't get a sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. But when you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust them so much, and you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or call 888-Y-REFI-34. I had a caller early in the hour. I hope I wasn't too hard on him. I, I always have a guilty conscience if I feel like I might have been. And if I was, you guys will let me know, I hope, guys and gals. But when we label... Um, when we label our team members and some of our strongest fighters uh, with pejoratives because perhaps one sentence might have been inartful or maybe more than one sentence, but maybe it wasn't or maybe you didn't hear them correctly or the full way and we start labeling them things like rhinos and stuff like that. I worry about that. I worry about that. David was reminded of something from the classic uh, Goldwater speech in 1964. How How did Barry Goldwater put it, David? Why don't we take a listen? Okay. And let our republicanism so focused and so dedicated not be made fuzzy and futile by unthinking and stupid labels. Yeah, let's not. That's a nice find, David. Let's not engage in stupid labels or labels of any kind. Let's take arguments on their own merits. You know what he went on to say in that speech? A passage you don't hear much. Worth reading. 
We must not see malice in honest differences of opinion, and no matter how great, so long as they are not inconsistent with the pledges we have given to each other in and through our Constitution, our Republican cause is not to level out the world or make its people conform in computer-regimented sameness. Our Republican cause is to free our people and light the way for liberty throughout the world. Ours is a very human cause for humane goals. Be a pretty good bumper sticker, wouldn't it? All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> 